Well, I've loved this month where we've been learning what it means to be a friend like Jesus uh, by looking at the kind of friend that Jesus was to his close friends. And I think we've seen that Jesus was a pretty legit friend to his close friends in the way that he, he let them know they're loved, he anchored their friendship in faithful commitment, and he helped them grow by, by speaking the truth to them, even the hard truth in a way that brought out the best of them. Um, but as we, we wrap up this series, the question we want to ask today is, uh, was this experience of friendship, this Jesus-like friendship, actually just reserved for Jesus's close circle of friends? Um, because what's interesting about close friendship is often when uh, friendship bonds deepen, sometimes our circles tighten. And so much so that at times maybe our close circles could actually drift towards becoming closed circles. So is this what it was like with Jesus and his close friends? Was Jesus's close circle actually a closed circle? Well, if you have a Bible with you today or, or a Bible app on your phone or device, uh, I'd really encourage you to get it out and, uh, and to open it up to Luke chapter 14. Um, where we're going to spend some time looking at an extended passage this morning uh, where Jesus attended a dinner party, all in a way that I think can illuminate for us kind of how Jesus navigated the, the tendency for uh, close circles to become closed circles and what he might want to say to us about that today. Uh, so we'll start right at the top in uh, Luke chapter 14, verse 1, where it says this. It says, One Sabbath... When Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. Now, it's this verse that kind of sets the stage for the whole scene that we're going to get uh, into here. And what was interesting in the first century is that really any meal invitation was intended to be an invitation to relationship, that who you ate with represented who you were in relationship, if not friendship with. Um, but for a little context here, um, Jesus didn't always have the best relationship with the Pharisees, um, this group that he's being invited to a dinner party with, or, or should I say the Pharisees didn't always have the best relationship with Jesus. Um, because it was the Pharisees' circle who were constantly opposing and accusing and ridiculing Jesus and his circle. And so it's likely that Jesus' friends um, actually would have had little use for this dinner invitation. While Jesus' friends often sort of traveled with him or went to, with him to these kinds of meals and parties, there's no indication here that, that they were with him. A few of them might have been, but we, we don't know because they may not have had that much of interest in participating. What's also interesting here is that it says, you know, Jesus was being carefully watched by these Pharisees who had invited him. And you start to get the sense right off the bat that there might have been like an ulterior or sort of suspicious motive to them inviting Jesus into their circle. But what I want us to notice about Jesus right off the bat here is that Jesus was willing to widen his circle, not just through extending invitations, but by responding to them even responding to invitations that may not have seemed to have had the friendliest of intentions. And uh, this suspicion plays itself out in the very next verse. Verse 2, it says, uh, There in front of Jesus was a man suffering from abnormal swelling of his body. So Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in the law, uh, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. 
So taking hold of the man, Jesus healed him and sent him on his way. Now, before they even get to the table, Jesus encounters this man with a physical ailment. And most scholars would say the Pharisees probably pretty much planted this guy there. They made sure he was there so that Jesus would pass him to see what Jesus would do. Because in the Pharisees circle, Sabbath keeping and how you observe the Sabbath day was a significant marker of determining whether you were in or whether you were out of their circle. And they had all these kind of laws and rules, and, and one of them would, would have been if, if you were to provide non-urgent medical care, like that was forbidden, then you were on the outs. And here Jesus, you know, not only does he just have the compassion to want to heal the man, what he shows to us is that he has no interest in giving in to the culture of cliques. No interest in propagating the, the barriers and boundaries that closed circles make about determining who's in and who's out. Now, we're going to pick up the story in verse 7, um, where it says, when, when Jesus noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, as he watched them kind of settle in at the table, he told them this parable. He said, when someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor, for a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. If so, the host who invited both of you uh, will come and say to you, give this person your seat. Then humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you are invited, take the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place. Then you will be honored in the presence of all the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Um, now, there's so much that can be unpacked from this parable that Jesus told at the party. But what I want us to notice for today in this conversation about, you know, the tendency for, for close circles to become closed circles is that as Jesus observed the circle of the Pharisees, he noticed that they all felt like they had to be competing for like status and position. That often when our, our friendship circles become cliques, we feel like we have to jostle for finding our place in the circle. Where do we stand? Or who is at the center of the circle? Now, maybe you've experienced this, and I think it happens all in a way that actually deteriorates the kind of friendship that Jesus has for us. It creates a sense of insecurity and competition rather than the love and the commitment and the mutual growth that Jesus wants for Jesus-like friendships. And so he warns the guests of this kind of experience. And after speaking to the guests this way, he actually turns his attention to the host of the party, the prominent Pharisee uh, who was hosting. In verse 12, it says, Then Jesus said to the host, When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, so, and so you'll be repaid. But when you give a banquet... Invite the poor and the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Now, I think um, for this host, this was one of those Martha, Martha moments from Jesus that we, we learned about last week that, that Mandy shared with us, where Jesus, um, with affection and with compassion, wants to call us to something more and better. As he spoke to this prominent Pharisee, who is likely very much the center of this circle, and one of the, the key gate, gatekeepers determining, you know, who would be in and who would be out. He wanted to call him to something more. And, and while it says here, you know, Jesus said, you know, 
do not even invite your friends. I mean, some translations say do not only invite your friends because, I mean, we know Jesus valued close friendship and we know he went to parties and ate all kinds of meals with his close friends. But I think what he's saying here and what he's warning us against is that when we only ever invest our relational energy in our close or maybe closed circle, uh, usually we actually only experience relationship with people who are like us. Um, Closed close circles are often quite homogenous, and we, we actually um, miss out on the benefit of a broader or richer experience of diverse relationships. And often what can happen, especially when we experience some of that comp competition or status seeking, is that those kinds of relationships can become somewhat transactional, where we feel like we, we often have to pay each other back in the relationships or outdo one another within the circle. And that kind of becomes the only repayment we get, missing out on the greater and bigger blessing God wants us to experience in wider Jesus-like friendships. And that's kind of where the whole scene culminates. When Jesus paints one more picture of this uh, richer and bigger blessing of relationship in God's community, we're going to pick it up in verse 16, where Jesus told one more story to everyone at the party. He said, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. Come to the party, come to the table. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, oh, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back, reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and he ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town, bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were originally invited are going to get a taste of my banquet. You see, Jesus wants to invite us and call us to a bigger and better experience of friendship and relationship. And he wants to warn us of these downsides of closed circles and cliques, where we experience a competition over status and position. Um, or where we miss out on the richer blessing of diverse community. And here in this picture, you know, Jesus warns about how often I think in uh, closed circles, when it's kind of this us for and no more paradigm, and if we're getting worn out by some of those downsides, that, that sometimes someone in that circle, if they see a better circle, a better us for and no more come along, that they're going to abandon this one for that one. And it creates a sense of hurt and pain, a missing out. Um, and in this, Jesus invites us to also reevaluate our excuses towards um, not coming to the table of a bigger and wider experience of friendship. You know, the, the self-orientation or the, the success or the stuff that gets in the way of being the Jesus-like friend that didn't let his close circle become a closed circle. Because Jesus was the friend um, who widened his circle of friendship, multiplied the Jesus-like friendship both among them and beyond them. And while we look at this story, at this experience Jesus had, particularly with the Pharisees at this dinner party, um, I think Jesus 
went to parties like these and told stories like these, not just for the Pharisees, but also for his close friends. You see, because um, like the Pharisees in this circle, and like me, maybe like you, Jesus' close friends were constantly drifting to wanting to have their close circle with Jesus be a closed circle with Jesus. In a way that Jesus had to constantly sort of shatter for them and help them overcome in his direct experience with them, kind of like this episode. Time and time again, there was a time when um, children wanted to get near to Jesus to experience the kind of love that everyone around Jesus was experiencing. But Jesus' friends, because of their sort of social customs that, that kind of guarded their circle, felt like Jesus had, or the children had no business coming in contact with Jesus. Until Jesus had to call them out and say, let the little children come to me because they're going to experience all of the love that I've shown you. Then there was a time when Jesus and his friends were were traveling together and there's a a blind beggar who heard that Jesus was passing and he called out mercy, Jesus have mercy on me. But because of their plans and their agenda, you know, Jesus' friends and disciples tried to shut him down to keep him away until Jesus noticed what was going on and he had to get his friends out of the way to say, no, he's going to come to me. I'm going to share the same mercy and grace that I've shared with you with him. Then there was another time where where Jesus and his friends were traveling together. And as the disciples went off to to get some food, Jesus found himself going and sit down at a well where where he met a foreign woman and sat and talked with her, breaking all social norms and customs, getting to know her and speaking truth into her life that that helped her grow into the person God had made her to be. All in a way that when Jesus' friends returned, confused and shocked and bewildered them as Jesus showed them what it meant to constantly widen their circle and multiply their experience of friendship with him, not by holding it to themselves, but by opening it up through invitation. Because that's the kind of friend that Jesus was, a friend that did not let his close circle become a close circle so that he could actually invest in his friends and deepen their experience of the kind of friendship that God has for us through him. As I was reflecting on all of this this week and kind of learning from it, I was reminded um, of an experience of friendship Lindsay and I had uh, as we were coming out of high school. We had been dating for about a year, and we had a really uh, close group of friends, a tight-knit group of friends intact through high school, sort of into the college and university years, and even as some of us were getting married for, for about a decade in that stretch, which I think is sometimes a little bit unique in that stretch to have a really sort of close and consistent group of friends. There's probably about a dozen to 15 of us in the broader group, but over time there, was, there were six of us that, that Lindsay and I were part of where we were super close, um, did everything together, spent weekends together, went on vacation together. And what we benefited from these friendships greatly um, over time, I think our close circle started to drift towards being a somewhat closed circle. And we began to experience tensions together, the kind of tensions of like, who's closest with who, or uh, FOMO, if anyone sort of in that group got together either one-on-one or, or without someone, even when they weren't available. Um, and when Lindsay and I were ready to have our first kid, as, as some of our circumstances were changing and, and some of our friendship connections and interests were expanding, um, this close circle of friends completely fell apart. Um, and I don't mean just drifted. Like it was, it was like a breakup uh, that was super painful. 
and had us learn the lesson the hard way um, of what happens when our, our close circles kind of start becoming closed circles. And I, I realized I had not been a Jesus-like friend who is helping our friends, helping us all as friends widen our circle through multiplying the circle through openness and invitation. But I'm grateful to uh, be trying to learn and grow in that and to see tastes and glimpses of that in our community these days. Among some of our close friends these days, I, I think of our friends Jack and Steph in our life group who, if you ever go to a party at their house, uh, you're bound to meet someone new because they never keep the guest list the same twice. They're always looking to, to mix and mingle their various social circles. Or I think of a guy like Nate Dirks around here who I know planned a very intentional canoe trip in the summer where he brought some of his existing and longtime friends together, but also with a few new connections he had made, feeling like they would gel well and deepen the experience of friendship and community for all of them. Or I think of Jess and Steve Reimer as great examples of this in our community who constantly open their hearts and their home and their yard and their life group to make more and more connections across our community, multiply Jesus-like connections and friendships in our community, all of which I think deepens their experience of Jesus-like friendship in their close circles of friends. So what about you? Are there ways in which your uh, close circle of friends could be at risk of becoming a close circle and actually miss out on some of the Jesus-like friendship that he has for us? How could you grow in becoming that, that Jesus-like friend who, who doesn't let, for the sake of your friends, doesn't let your close circle become a close circle and helps widen and multiply the Jesus-like friendship through invitation? Not that you're necessarily going to be best friends with everyone now, because no one, not even Jesus in his life on earth, had the capacity to do that. Jesus invested uniquely in his close friends, but he never let the close circle become closed. We all want to grow in that together. We want to help you grow in that. Um, if you're wanting to experience and try just a little bit more of that these days, maybe it's time for you to join a life group. Uh, we have a number of life groups getting off the ground uh, in February. The great time to, to sign up. You could go to our website and find the details and sign up there. Um, or if you're in a life group, maybe this is the time uh, for your life group to widen the circle, to invite someone maybe you've met recently that, that's not as connected or not in a group to, to come into that circle in a way that I think will enhance the Jesus-like experience and friendship among the entire circle. Or if you want to dabble in hosting a party that could maybe be a bit like the kinds of parties that Jesus envisioned us to host, why not sign up to be a host for one of our next Start the Party initiatives, the next time we start the party at Southridge together? Um, or more to the moment, uh, shortly after our, our service in person, when we're going to have a chance to celebrate and enjoy a community lunch together, what would it look like for you to be a Jesus-like friend right here and now in this meal and party that we engage in. You know, to maybe invite someone you, you've just met to come and sit with some of your friends uh, or to walk across the room and, and, and meet somebody new, make an introduction, or maybe to try taking the risk and sitting down at a table uh, with some folks you don't know yet, you haven't met yet, to make new introductions, new connections, and expand and multiply the Jesus-like community that we want to be. Jesus wants the absolute best. For your friendships. Um, 
Jesus wants to have a close and deep and intimate friendship with you. And Jesus wants to pour love and commitment and growth into, into your close friendships. And then Jesus invites you to participate in letting uh, that Jesus-like friendship ever expand and multiply by widening our circles through invitation, not letting close circles become close circles so that the Jesus-like heart and vision for relationship can expand among us. That's our hope uh, through this series. That's what I'm excited to see us grow in in the days ahead as we all seek to become uh, Jesus-like friends together. Let's pray. Jesus, we, we thank you. Uh, we thank you for uh, your friendship expressed to us. We thank you for the kind of friend we could see you be with your friends to show us how we can be like that with our friends. Um, and we don't want to sell ourselves short. We don't want to miss out. We don't want to uh, fall into the trap of letting our circles become closed. But may we participate with you in casting invitations wide and multiplying and widening Jesus-like friendship, both within our circles and well beyond them. And thank you that you gave your life for all of this. You loved us so much. You cared about this so deeply that you not only envisioned this for us, called us to this in your community and your kingdom, but you gave up your life to make this possible. We are grateful and we look forward to how you will continue to grow this among us in the days and weeks and months ahead. We pray this all in your name. Amen.